0: The following is a sermon from Pastor Timothy Borman and Sure Foundation, a church located in Woodside, Queens, New York, the world's most diverse community. For more information and for more audio content, go to sure foundationorg after, after a short break, it's really a two-week break, we are back in our sermon series on the book of Habakkuk, and we're going to pick it up right where we left off. We, we talked about, just two weeks ago, right before Labor Day, we looked at waiting well. And ultimately, what waiting well looks like is we wait with faith, despite our circumstances and the joy and peace that brings us not only eternally, but also in whatever our circumstances may be. And now this morning, we're going to hear really what um, the scholars call a taunt song. This is going to be a taunt, a straight-up taunt. And um, if you're listening in online, I want to invite you to open up your Bibles to Habakkuk chapter 2. We're going to read the rest of the chapter this morning. And it does, there's a page turn. Uh, If if you're here in the church, we're going to read verses uh, on pages 9 and 10. So here's what the Holy Spirit gives us Will not all of them taunt him with ridicule and scorn, saying, Woe to him, who piles up stolen goods and makes himself wealthy by extortion. How long must this go on? Will not your creditors suddenly arise? Will they not wake up and make you tremble? Then you will become their prey, because you have plundered many nations. The peoples who are left will plunder you. For you have shed human blood, you. Destroyed lands and cities and everyone in them. Woe to him who builds his house by unjust gain, setting his nest on high to escape the clutches of ruin. You have plotted the ruin of many people, shaming your own house and forfeiting your life. The stones of the wall will cry out and the beams of the woodwork will echo it. Woe to him who builds a city with bloodshed and establishes a town by injustice. Has not the Lord Almighty determined that the people's labor is only fuel for the fire? That the nations exhaust themselves for nothing? For the earth will be covered with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Woe to him who gives drink to his neighbors, pouring it from the wineskin till they are drunk so that he can gaze on their naked bodies. They will be filled with shame instead of glory. Now it is your turn. Drink and let your nakedness be exposed. The cup from the Lord's right hand is coming around to you and disgrace will cover your glory. The violence you have done to Lebanon will overwhelm you and your destruction of animals will terrify you. For you have shed human blood. You have destroyed lands and cities and everyone in them. Of what value is an idol carved by a craftsman or an image that teaches lies. For the one who makes it trust in his own creation, he makes idols that cannot speak. Woe to him who says to wood, come to life. For to life the stones wake up. Can it give guidance? It is covered with gold and silver. There is no breath in it. The Lord is in His holy temple. Let all the earth be silent before him. This is God's word. Some have called words like these big technical names like malediction. The opposite of a beatitude, really, right? I, I read online, someone called it a cursitude. Again, the opposite of a beatitude. I'm going to call it a simpler name. These are curse words. Like, in the narrow, technical sense, not, not, not the four-letter word sense that people use to have limited vocabulary. But in the biblical sense, these, these are curse words. These are, these are God's words of, of judgment and justice coming down on the perpetrator of sin. And curse words from God have power. I, I, I remember that when this came to home to me in, in a very personal way, I, I was in the Holy Land. I, I was standing in the Holy Land in the middle of a city called Capernaum. And it looked like an atomic bomb had gone off. Nothing was left. In Jesus' day, there was a city and Jesus did miracles there and they refused to believe. And so Jesus said, Woe to you, Capernaum! And those words tore it all down. When you hear these words, I I want you to feel that. I want you to know that that curse words have power when they are spoken by God. But I want to even go further than that. That these curse words not only have power, but they they console. We'll look at the consolation of curse words. We'll also look at the, the poetry of curse words. And finally, we'll look at the silence of cursed words, but, but first the consolation of curse words. We've got five curse words here. You can count them up. Look, whoa, five different times. You can circle it in your Bibles or in your bulletins. God brings down a curse. And there's a form to it, see. God. Every single time, he says, "This is the retribution. This is the justice that's going to come down on you." And justice comes down. We learn from God in unseen ways, in quiet ways, and sometimes, and sometimes in future ways. And I want to show that to you. He says, first of all, the agent of suffering will be what I, what we might call social justice in the Bible. Look at verse 7. He says, Woe to you! And then he says, Will not your creditors suddenly arise? So the Babylonians are going up and racking up a debt, you might see, to everybody else. They are taking and taking and taking. You know what happens when you take and take and take? Those same people will come and take from you. That's what it says. St. Augustine said it this way, the rich think that what they should do is they should, they should put their wealth in barns and in banks. But St. Augustine says, you know, the safest play to put, place to put all your wealth is in the stomachs of the poor. Because if you don't, they'll come for you. That's what Habakkuk says Or there. There's an aphorism that we have, in it, and it says this, that the person who many people fear must fear many people. Social justice. If you wrong other people, then they will come after you, the Bible says. Habakkuk says this is one of the ways that, one of the agents that God uses to bring justice and punishment on the wrongdoing. He continues. And he says this. He says, also the conscience is one of the ways that God brings down justice. Look with me at verse 11. It says, the stones will cry out. So we here we have a rich person sitting in his or her house and they're staring at the stones. And the stones are saying, you did it. You stole from them by injustice. And even as they sit in their gilded golden house, they cannot be happy because they stole it all. God brings justice. So maybe a little bit like that poem from, by Edgar Allan Poe, The Telltale Heart. You remember it from school? His heart was beating. Because he knew, he knew that his conscience was condemning him. And he wrote, Was it possible they heard not? Almighty God, no, no, they hear. They suspected, they knew. They were making a mockery of my horror. This I thought, and this I think, but anything better than this agony. The agony of a conscience demanding justice. The beams and the stones will cry out against them. And then finally, There's immediate justice here in the book of Habakkuk. If you look with me at the third woe, God is the third agent. And it's for sexual exploitation. And it gets personal. He says, if you expose someone's nakedness, you too will be exposed. And then he changes the personal pronoun. He says he goes from he to you. And now God's going to get involved and God's going to make this person drink the cup of his wrath. Immediate justice from God is coming down. These are some of the agents that God uses to bring justice and wrath on the perpetrators of wrongdoing. And and truth be told, there's great consolation in this. For the victims of injustice, there's great consolation in this. You know what a victim really wants? They want to see it go down. They want to see the fire from God rain down. They want to see the the person get what they, they justly deserve. And sometimes Habakkuk is saying this, sometimes you get to see that. But sometimes it's as quiet as a screaming conscience and the stones and the beams crying out, you did it. And sometimes it's as unseen as the great day of the Lord when he will come back and he will punish every evildoer. Christians, we, we can be comforted in the knowledge that God will bring it down on those who justly deserve it. That's the consolation of curse words. There's also the, the poetry, the poetry of curse words. You, one of the scholars remarking on this verse said that, that right here, what we have is poetic justice. Do you see that? It's poetic justice. And really, literally. Like, as you read these verses, and especially if you, if you read them in Hebrew, what you're going to see is you, you, this is poetry. Like this is assonance and alliteration and parallelism and it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful poetic talk song. In fact, if you count the words in Hebrew, there's a part that divides it exactly in half. Seventy-one words and seventy-one words. This is poetic justice, but it's poetic in a second sense. Everyone gets exactly what they deserve from God's hand. You see that too? The plunderers get plundered. The sexually exploiters get sexually exploited. The people who try to build a house in secret have the house torn down and they're not actually safe like it's a nest. The people who tried to build a city by injustice, the city is torn down. It is absolutely poetic justice, equal justice, something that we all yearn for. God says, it'll be beautiful even, it'll be right, it'll be good and fitting, as we say. Poetic justice. You've seen the headlines, right? The upsetting headlines, like, Homeless woman exploited, assaulted, man gets probation. And I don't even need to tell you the story. I don't have to tell you the story, do I, for for you to get upset about that? What is right about that? How is that equal or poetic? It's not. This is human justice. Or maybe you read the story about the nurse. You heard about the nurse, right, who who was addicted to fentanyl. And, And the fentanyl was being used in surgical procedures, but she was using it for her addiction. So these people, these poor patients, would go into surgery and they would scream. And nobody knew why. They thought that they were receiving fentanyl, but they weren't. And this nurse, what did she get? Not even her license revoked. And it's wrong. Human justice never gets it right. But God does. God's justice is is poetic. You know what's ironic about that? A lot of times we don't think that. We look at God, and when he's been show, showing incredible mercy and patience with us, we think, well, God is certainly doing nothing about it, and we judge him. And then, and then when God goes to Old Testament, that's what we think. When God goes to Old Testament, we think, wow, is God harsh? We're always judging God when the fact of the matter is God is judging us. God's justice is good and right and fitting and poetic, even if it means nails and wood and cross. Poetic justice for you and for me. God's justice is consoling. It is poetic, and finally, it is, produces in us silence. I need to point something out to you. That none of us here is a pure victim. There's only been one of those in the history of the world, the innocent Lamb of God, a pure victim. But none of us here is a pure victim. We are all victims and perpetrators. We are all people who have been sinned against, but we are also people who have sinned. We we are people who who have hurt others and we are people who have been hurt. So you know what this means? And this is hard to accept. That these curse words also fall on us. One of the scholars of Habakkuk, she said this, that the barbs, of these words, snagged the Jewish nobles. They got snagged because they were doing the same things. Or another person said, right and wrong divides the human heart. Sometimes we're right and sometimes we're wrong. It runs right down the middle of our hearts. So Habakkuk is also saying, you get snagged. You get caught up in these curse words. St. Paul said the same thing. He said, You who teach others, do you teach yourself? You who preach against stealing, do you steal? You who say that people should not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You who boast in God's will, do you dishonor God by breaking God's law? I mean, here we are. Here we are in church and, and we're able to judge everybody else. Look at, look at their sexual sins, but what about ours? Or we say, look, look at all those people. We love the Bible. We love God's Word, but do you actually live by it? we get snagged in the barbs of these curse words. St. Paul said it this way, Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those under the law, so that every mouth may be silenced. You want justice? Buckle up. It'll also come down on you. And so, and so our cries for justice get, get silenced and turned into a Lord have mercy on me. And He has. He's had mercy in Christ. You know there's one that's had everything taken from him? Even his robes gambled off by soldiers. Christ our Lord. The Babylonians, they were the ones, I think it's ironic, isn't it? The the Babylonians, we're talking about them, they're the ones who invented this pole and they would hang people on it Christ suffered violence and exploitation and nudity and he was hung on the cross for all of us. Reciprocal, poetic, substitutionary. He hung. He hung between two sinners. It was was as if Christ died with sinners, for sinners, so that sinners would be righteous through him before God. And so we are. Forgiven and redeemed, not cursed, but blessed through Christ. So really we come to this place of silence, just silence, like Habakkuk says. And it's the right thing to do. Like, our mouths are stopped up. We've complained in this sermon series, right? We've told God all the things that he's done wrong. We've listed the things that he should do right. And now God says, okay, I'll bring justice. And our mouths get stopped up and we come to this place with Habakkuk appropriately, and it will end in this way, Habakkuk says, the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth be silent before him. Let's pray. Lord God, your justice consoles us because we see people perpetrating things against your saints throughout all the world. And we know that you see it and we'll bring it down. It's poetic and we know that you'll bring exactly what's needed to the situation. But you also bring us to a place of silence because none of us here is perfect or innocent. We thank you for your saving grace through Christ our Lord. And we come to this place of silence, trusting in your grace and mercy. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, we pray. Amen.